This is an EWTN Newslink. I'm Teresa Tamio from Catholic Connection. Pope Francis holding his first public event since landing in Canada yesterday, spending the day visiting with members of indigenous tribes near Edmonton. He is set to visit Sacred Heart Church of the First Peoples later today. He will bless the statue of St. Takiri. Kentucky's Attorney General expected to appeal a judge's ruling to allow abortions in the state while a lawsuit brought by the ACLU is resolved. The judge on Friday granting a temporary injunction against Kentucky's trigger law, banning abortion as soon as Roe v. Wade was overturned. The Attorney General there calling the ruling disappointing, arguing the state constitution does not protect abortion. A constitutional amendment will go before the voters there in November. For more news with a Catholic perspective, visit EWTNnews.com. I'm Teresa Tomio of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Grendy. Starts now. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. All right, let's answer your question and give you some good news. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that. I'm on her side, and I don't know exactly what her side is. I think you're totally spot on with that. I sound inept just to help you out. It's been a rough week, thanks to your advice. Are you a regular listener to this program? As much as I can be. There's your problem. I would not ever disagree with you because you're so smart. You have a lot of answers to a lot of things. You don't want to listen to me on the radio. So what do I do? I can't give you any direction. Thank you for empowering me. I needed that. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, uh, do you know somebody who does? Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. You know what I've decided to do? Every time somebody asks me to do something, I'm going to say, do you want fries with that? Now, before I came to the show today, I always, if I'm driving from the office, I drive through a fast food place, and I pull up through the drive through lane, and they say, hi. May I take your order? And I go, uh, yes, this is to go. And and you hear them go, uh, 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 sometimes, you know what I say sometimes? I'll say, yeah, I want to, I'd like to put uh, $50 in my checking account. And are you guys still giving out the pie plates for opening up a new savings account? And then I wait for a second. And I say, oh, oh wrong line. Wrong, sorry, wrong line. I'm Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me here on The Doctor Is Ian. Yeah, I've been at this business too long. It's starting to affect my brain. This is the Monday version of The Doctor Is Ian, E-Person Monday, where we, together, well, okay, you don't do a whole lot. You listen, but I talk, and we look at, well, you don't even look at them. You listen. Maybe you listen. I don't know. You could stop listening at any time. All that said, just goes to show you how carefully you have to choose your words to be literal. I read an e-person and comment on the e-person as it progresses through its lines. There. That's probably pretty accurate. Going to get to that momentarily. Years ago, when I was a young shrink, a shrinkling, I labeled something 
that I called the search. The search means I have to find out what is causing this child's behavior. The picture is one of, let's say, most commonly, a defiant child, an argumentative child, a challenging child, a difficult child. You, you pick the adjective. Basically, it means an unruly, oppositional child. Now, given that fallen human nature does not look first to oneself for an explanation, as our Lord said, we, we got the beam in our eye trying to pick out the speck. So it is not easy, nor is it natural to us to say, how am I impacting this situation? Is a big part of the explanation why this child is the way he is me? Pretty much everybody who comes into my office that wants some kind of parenting guidance thinks that that child is different or that child is particularly strong-willed. And that seems so to them because that child is the one who is more so that way than any siblings. They've got two other siblings and they don't do this. This is the one who does this. So therefore, that, that helps to convince them that there's something about this child that makes him the way he is. It's, it's innate to the child. Now, as we talk, and obviously I can't do anything about the way that child is. Any kind of counseling for a nine-year-old is notoriously ineffective. I work with the parents. I'm going to talk about what they're doing in response or how they're parenting along a whole bunch of lines that could be making this child a lot more difficult than he really is. By the way, that happens most of the time. If the parents do what we talk about, things get better. However, of course, not everybody comes to my office. I would say that 99.9999999999% of the world's population don't. So I have friends, people I know, hearing about people I know, who think that their child needs to be assessed in some way. we got to find out what's with this kid. Now, they may get a diagnosis of oppositional defiant disorder, which then convinces them, aha, we figured it out. He's oppositionally defiant. You didn't figure anything out. You put a label to his conduct. That's all you did. You didn't say why he's that way. But it makes it sound like, does it not, that it's the child. He's afflicted. With a disorder. To some degree, ADD and ADHD fall under this umbrella. So given that, they search. They start to look. What is it? Perhaps it's his diet. Maybe too much sugar. 
by the way, sugar doesn't hasn't been shown at all in good research to have a major impact on a kid's behavior. It just doesn't. Has a major impact on his diet, that's for sure. Allergies. Got some kind of allergy. Now, for the most part, allergies are usually systemic, so there's some kind of symptom that uh, indicates a child has an allergy to something. But other than indirectly making the child uncomfortable or cranky or whatever it might be, which then translates into a more agitated state, which then translates into a more resistant type state, it isn't really the allergy that directly causes misbehavior. But they look. They look because they're convinced they've got to find out the triggers to why this child is the way he is. I've had parents come in and say, yeah, we got into a program where he walked a balance beam because in walking the balance beam, we're going to rewire his cerebellum. And in rewiring his cerebellum, that's going to have an effect on his higher brain functioning and then i've had parents come in and say yeah he was drawing figure eights he goes to therapy and he draws figure eights because those figure eights and they go on and on searching yeah we've cut out we've cut out red dyes we've cut out red dyes from his diet uh we've decided okay this is the problem is and the last place they look is themselves and that's ironic because they may not have made this child the most challenging of their children. They didn't do that. But their response to this child, their level of consistency, their level of follow-through, their level of calm confidence can make it a lot worse or a lot better. The kid may still be the most difficult of their three children. We won't take that away. But the gap between his difficulty and his siblings is going to close as the parents get better at discipline, parenting, following through, all the things that help them to deal with this child. Now, someone who listens to this program knows we had 10 children. We had 10 adopted children. So that means they had very different genetic backgrounds they had very different histories some of them had very tragic histories others had relatively stable histories they had wildly different temperaments crazily different temperaments some absorbed our parenting very easily those are the ones I took out in public others kind of cooperated and then got sneaky a few tried to defy. That didn't work very long because their mother was more strong-willed than they were. So given that, I didn't really see our children as particularly defiant. They had different personalities, and they had different ways of absorbing our parenting, but they weren't really defiant because, well, because we did things. They were held accountable with consequences. So... From a personal perspective, that gave me a little insight into how easily it can be to tag a child as dysfunctional, as disordered, as missing vitamin B. Now, granted, there are those kids who would be missing vitamin B, but they're a very, very small percentage. The vast majority 
respond best to changes in the parenting. And ironically, a parent will come in and say, after we've visited for two or three times and they've made some changes because they were very cooperative and, and motivated, they will say, I'm living with a different child. I can't believe how much more pleasant he is. I'll say, how many times do you have to go to the corner? They'll say, none. I'll say, well, your kids better behave than mine were then. So what they found was he wasn't anywhere near as difficult as they thought by nature. By nature. It was a dynamic, a dance between their approach to him and his temperament. And their approach to him was exacerbating his temperament. And in some cases, believe it or not, they will say, the child that I thought was the easier child than this child, who I came in because of, is misbehaving more. And I just never noticed it. Because this child took up so much of our attention, his brother hid in the dust. And now that this child is becoming under better control, it's becoming more clear that his brother's pulling a lot of stunts that we didn't notice or we overlooked. The search is not a good thing. The search unfortunately misdirects many parents. Now, some might say, no, Dr. Ray, you've got to get down to the root of it because there are many causes in children's behavior. I agree with that, of course. Of course. But I think all too often the search sends parents on goose chases and keeps them from looking at how they can make the situation so much better by changes in their own approach to this child most specifically in their discipline approach. Because the people who come in my office are loving parents. I'm not going to look at them and go, you know, you got to be more loving. you got to be more attentive. If they're not loving, it's because they're frustrated. It's because this child has given them all kinds of trouble. And they reach the limits of their patience. So, yeah, they don't feel as loving with this child because they spend more of their time yelling at him or arguing with him or nagging him or negotiating with him or threatening him. That, that's, that's why they feel unloving. But they're not unloving, for heaven's sakes. So many respects their good, solid, stable parents. They're frustrated, good, solid, stable parents. The search. Very common. And sometimes it's interesting just for me to talk with the parents who come into my office and say, well, what other things have you looked into that might explain this child's behavior? And typically, they will say, and none of it made any difference, which so often is no surprise. Dr. Ray. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA. 
or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. It's extremely, I think, hypocritical. It's awful. It's so frustrating to hear these big companies saying they are going, they are so proud to pay for abortions for the employees, even pay for transportation, pay for the abortions. Up to $10,000 some companies are willing to spend to send their employees to get uh, an abortion in states that would still allow it, such as New York and California. And, of course, right now with all the shenanigans going on in Michigan. But what about health care? What about... Uh, let's see, what about maternity care for moms? What about backing moms in other ways in the workforce as opposed to pitting them against their children? I mean, think about how sexist that is and how undignified that is to say to a woman, you can go get your abortion and then you can come back to work in a day or two. I, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. hands are slowing down dr ray thanks for joining me here on the doctor is in e-person monday where we do our very best to dive into the stack or the scroll of the e-persons that come in my 17 year old daughter told me she isn't catholic and doesn't agree with the catholic faith Mom says, she, now this, this, I'm not sure about this. She is Christian and is very involved in faith activities, etc. Is she, is she saying, I'm not Catholic, but I'm still a Christian because I still believe in Jesus Christ and living by his guidelines, but I really don't like what the Catholic Church expects of me or how the Catholic Church worships? That'd be, that'd be my guess. She attends a Catholic school. She insists that I am violating her religious freedom by making her go to Mass with me. Uh, yeah, don't really have any religious freedom when you're a minor living at home, do you? And in turn, I am making her more resentful of the faith. Now, that's the big club. The club is... If you force me to church, all I'm going to do is reject the religion. That's what I'll do. And don't say I didn't warn you, so don't try it. Mom says, I recently let her stop attending Mass with me. Did I do the wrong thing? Well, I am not one to tell you how to run your parenting. I can give you some thoughts about this for your consideration. 
One, I would want to know what exactly it is that she says she's not Catholic about anymore. She have a boyfriend? Her boyfriend and uh, she enjoying each other? Is that a factor? She doesn't like the church's morality? Is she spending an enormous amount of time on social media and the social media pretty much is telling her that traditional morals regarding sexuality, regarding family, is horridly outdated, it's prejudiced, it's bigoted, it's hate-filled? Is that happening? Because it probably is. Something has to explain why so, 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 so many kids in their late teens and 20s are just rejecting or neglecting the faith because they're being told relentlessly by other places your parents don't know what they're talking about the church doesn't know what it's talking about so my guess would be that she's been living in that world for quite some time now when she says you're violating my religious freedom how is this it sounds like mom that you were taken in by that one that somehow some way you're not permitted as a parent to say living in my home you will attend mass especially as a minor you will attend mass she says no I won't and if you make me I'll just stand there like a pillar of salt I won't take any part I won't pray I won't do anything. I will stand there totally disinterested and disgusted. See how that affects your mama. That'd be my guess on what she would do. Then you have to decide. For example, you might say, well, if I believe and you believe there is a God, and apparently you still believe that Jesus is God, so we very deeply believe that that's Jesus up there in the Eucharist and in fact the Mass is worship so you're being phenomenally disrespectful terribly disrespectful to the God of the universe this is far beyond you being disrespectful to me now what would I do if you were disrespectful to me well you'd find yourself without a lot of privileges so I have to decide you got a car that you go back and forth to school? Not when you treat the Lord like that. Stand there, you refuse to say the Our Father even. You refuse to say anything. You refuse to make a sign of the cross at the beginning of Mass. Wow. If you're going to do that, I can't force you to want this and love this. I can't do that. But I can make you not be disrespectful. Mom, if you're worried about her saying, you made me go to church, therefore I hate church. Well, don't make her go to school because if she doesn't like school and you make her go, she's going to hate anything academic. Don't make her eat vegetables. She's going to hate vegetables. Don't make her be respectful to you because then she's going to hate you. You see what I'm saying? You make her do a lot of things she doesn't want to do. Are you worried that she then is going to say, well, therefore, because you made me, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm going to reject it all. I also would want to get down to exactly what it is and how it is that she's decided the church just doesn't have a voice with her. My guess 
would be, and that's more than a guess, it's an educated guess, it's an experienced guest, guess, that she has been inundated, not only by social media, but perhaps some Christian friends who believe that the Catholic Church is at the very least wrong, at the very worst, the Antichrist. And she's hearing it from somewhere. And I wanted, I would want to know what she's hearing. I would want to know what exactly it is where she says, I'm not Catholic anymore. And if she's doing things that she knows is against the Catholic Church teaching, then that might be harder to, de- to determine. That's, by its nature, more secretive. But she would be probably more open to tell you exactly where her antagonism towards the church is coming from. I don't like it. And here's why I don't like it. At least if she gives you a perception, you will be able to explore answers to her perception and say, all right, let me explain to you why the church does this. Let me explain to you the reason for their teaching on this morals, on this morality. Let me show you about this. Now, she may look at you and just look at you. She may say, I don't buy any of this. I don't care what you explain to me. I don't buy it. You're probably dealing with some kind of emotional issue, and I don't know what it is. But the question becomes, will you simply say, okay, if you don't want to go to Mass, you don't have to, but you can live here, and you can have all the perks that you've gotten used to. What is the most daunting petition in the Lord's Prayer? The Catholic Catechism says it is when we ask God our Father to forgive our sins as we forgive others, meaning if we do not forgive those who have sinned against us, we don't expect the Father to forgive us. God's outpouring of mercy cannot penetrate our hearts as long as we have not forgiven those who have trespassed against us. This is sobering. The Catechism says there has to be a vital participation coming from the depths of the heart in the holiness and the mercy and the love of God. Only the Holy Spirit can make our mind the same as the mind of Jesus Christ, who could forgive even those who crucified him. The heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit can turn injury into compassion, purifying the memory so as to transform the hurt into intercession. Forgiveness bears witness to the world that love is stronger than hate. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is literally and wholly present, body and blood, soul and divinity, under the appearances of bread and wine. Feeding 5,000 from a boy's five barley loaves and two fish, as recorded in John chapter 6, is quite a miracle. Yet the next day, Jesus downplays it in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Likewise, God's provision of manna to the Israelites in the desert was also a great miracle, yet Jesus similarly downplays it in verse 49. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. 
Jesus is clearly stating that his Eucharist is greater than both of these amazing miracles, and the Catholic Church absolutely takes him at his word. Examining the truths of the Catholic faith, this is faithforensics.org. Thanks for joining me. Dr. Ray Garendi here. Program Doctor is in. Version of the program or variant of the program. E-Person Monday. Where I, I was going to say we, but that you know that's not cool. Literary guidance says if you use we an awful lot when you're talking about some kind of suggestion in a book, particularly a self-help book, it's really weak. And I, I, I don't know the actual reasoning behind it, but I noticed it. If I say something like, we sometimes feel, well, I, I don't know if we do. So, I am going to look into your e-persons. Hi, Dr. Ray. I was listening, as I usually do, on podcast. Since I am at work, the time you were on the air, you mentioned how parents who struggle with their authority, are regularly in confession telling the priest how badly they treat their children by the yelling and the nagging, it's a frustration, etc., and then they feel terrible about that. I was thinking, Dr. Ray, maybe you should somehow go to a conference for priests and suggest that they recommend your books on discipline for penance. By the way, I have had some priests do that, not necessarily the books, but the priest has said, you have to talk to Ray, and now how do I refuse that? You know, the priest is telling me, so I can't, the priest told them, and maybe, I'm assuming they're telling the truth. That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? I don't think it's real ethical, but they're not very humble, no, but but if a particular priest would want to do that, he could. He could say, your penance is to improve your discipline skills, and here's a book to improve your discipline skills. I don't know if that would be any problem. I have a question, Dr. Ray. What strategies would you give to teachers for discipline? I've heard you say that the public schools don't allow certain things. Ah, They don't allow a lot, okay? And that's part of the reason, as I talked about few weeks back on the the massive exodus of teachers from public schools the statistic in a survey was 55 percent of current teachers were considering not coming back at the beginning of the school year now that's probably an inflated percentage because they have no choice they may be making well they may not be able to find a job that provides the kind of benefits the teaching does in terms of insurance, retirement, etc. So even though there's a lot of dissatisfaction in their job and it, it all and the dissatisfaction I believe the vast majority boils down to classroom management. By far, why would it not? Why would anybody have trouble teaching if you could teach in peace? That's classroom management. It's resistance. It's lack of homework. It's not being allowed to give a failing grade. I had a friend of mine. Okay, I'm going off on a tangent here. I had a friend of mine who was a teacher. This was 
some years back, and he said they were having a school-wide conference to stop giving homework. Why? Because so many kids were not turning it in. Their their answer to that was, well, okay, we won't give it anymore. I don't know where that went. For Catholic schools or private ones that may not have quite the restrictions, Dr. Ray, you got any tips you could give them for guidance on discipline in the classroom? When I first came out of grad school, I worked at a mental health center. In the mental health center, my my director of the mental health center, went to the local public schools and said, would you like one of our people to consult with you, to work with your teachers, to work with your special ed programs? Well, that person was me. I was interested. I wanted to do it. So I worked with 11 school districts in Columbiana County, as well as the general education population and the severe behavior handicap classrooms, of which we had about 12, kindergarten through high school, and the other special ed programs for many, many types of special education. And the biggest problems, of course, were classroom management. That's why I got called for 80% of the reasons. Simple tip here. A teacher only has the authority that the administration allows. It's that straight. So, for example, if a teacher says, tomorrow, because of what you did, I would like a 250-word essay on my desk on why what you did was disruptive, why what you did was disrespectful of other people's rights, and what you could do differently. Now, if you have that permission to do that, especially in a Catholic or a private school, that's very effective. What if they don't do it? Well, then you have to have a backup. What are you going to do if they don't do it? Are you going to call the parent? Are you going to find out what's going on? Are you going to downgrade an assignment? I don't know, but, but if you don't do it. One of the things I very much like in the classroom is you put your particular classroom behavior rules on the board, whatever it might be. Don't jump out of seat. Don't yell out an answer. Don't throw something across the three rows. Whatever whatever those are that you think will gobble up about 90% of the disruption in a classroom. Put them there. Then you tell the students, here's what we're going to do. If any of these rules are broken, I will not say anything. I will simply go to the board, and I will put up an S. And then I will return and begin discussing again. Again, it happens. I go to the board, and I put up a T. Return. Third time it happens, I put up a zero. An O. Fourth time, I put up a P. Now, if I get to P, let me rephrase that. If I don't get to P, no, let me rephrase that again. If I get to spell the word S-T-O-P, everyone will get full assignments if 
I wasn't interrupted that amount of times, you will all get reduced assignments, plus perhaps 20 minutes free time at the end of the period or at the end of the school day, whatever level you're teaching. Maybe 10 minutes free time. Now here's the catch. Only you as the teacher know what full assignments are and what reduced assignments are. I suggest that reduced assignments are full assignments and full assignments are extra assignments. Why? Because inevitably a parent is going to complain. I don't think it's right that my daughter gets extra assignments because there's one boy in that class who's constantly disrupting. And you can explain yourself. No, 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 no. It's not how it is. Reduced assignments if I don't get to STOP. It works very well. You can choose any letter you want. How about supercalifragilisticexpialidocious if you have great tolerance for disruption? Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent. To Christ present in the Eucharist. To Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by the reverence of my friends in the Salvation Army. They had a little band. And I used to walk past the band on Sunday morning on my way to church. And I was just a child. But I said, you know, they're trying to pray to God. They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. He always starts with the good things. You know, the seven letters to the churches and the book of Revelation is a great way to write letters to other people, by the way, or to have conversations with other people. You start with what's going well. You do this, this, and this really well. I love it. Thank you. Here's what you're lacking. And I think for many of us as men, what the Lord's communicating at that second part of the letter or the second part of the conversation is here's what we're lacking. You don't ever spend enough time with me. You have no idea what I'm trying to offer you in the gift of my friendship. Or if you do, you don't make time for it. And if you would but come to me, I would change your life like that. But you don't come. Not with the regularity that I want you to come. Not with the ardor and the fervor and the passion that I want you to come. I have a hunch, more than a hunch, that's what he says to me. And I got a hunch that's what he would say to many of us. Joining me, Dr. Ray Grindy, the program the doctor is in. This is the E-Person Monday. 
version of The Doctor is In. Daughter began altar serving in the spring of 2020. Roughly two, a little over two years ago. Asked just before Mass to fill in for someone at the last minute. It was one of the hottest days of the year. She had not been feeling well the day before, but she said she was feeling back to normal at the time and said, sure. During Mass, she likely overheated and at times said afterwards she felt as if she might pass out. But she didn't and was able to serve the entire Mass. Since that day, she's been leery of serving. Even to the point, now here's here's definitely a problem, of refusing to serve minutes before a scheduled Mass while in tears and not taking no for an answer. She was able to serve about three times or so after her near-fainting experience. After that time, she was in tears, begging not to serve, and asked that she be removed from the schedule for the remainder of the year. She said she'd start again at the first of the year, but now that she's scheduled again, she's back in tears, saying she feels the weight of the world is on her shoulder, knowing that her family wants her to serve, but that she's afraid she might make a mistake, and now she's too afraid to serve again. My question, do we hold her to her commitment of saying that she would return to serving and make her at least serve her four-schedule upcoming Mass, or do we ask that she once again be removed? I don't want to see her give up something that she once loved and enjoyed or regret not trying again and let the fear win out. But at the same time, I don't want her to be overly anxious. Well, Mom, obviously, this is a judgment call on your part. For example, if you say, well, she's 11 years old. Not going to push it. She's got herself all shook up about serving. And particularly if this is the only place. I could understand that. There's a big bunch of people watching her. The most common fear among the general population is public speaking. And that is why I get paid the big bucks for public speaking. Because I don't have any anxiety about public speaking. I like being in front of a crowd. Your daughter is reacting to being in front of a crowd. She's thinking to herself the whole time, what would happen if I faint? You know, it's kind of like the biggest fear of a kid in school, in class, is to throw up. Remember that? Oh, that was so gross, the kid who threw up. I had a few of those. Didn't affect me. But the kid who threw up was just so embarrassed. My son had that happen when we were at a restaurant. He was about 12 years old. And the poor guy, he couldn't get in the bathroom because his brother was in there and the door was locked. So my son, yeah, all over the place. And uh, that just shook him up. Shook him up bad. So my guess would be your daughter is terribly nervous, anxious, afraid of looking bad serving 
On top of that, she's probably got it in her head that, okay, I'll look bad, but, but, but look what I'll do to mass. I'll disrupt mass. What if that happens? Now, it hasn't happened. Probably the only way to deal with this and, and keep her serving would be to ask her, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could faint. Okay. What if you faint? It would be so embarrassing. Why would it be embarrassing to faint? You didn't do anything wrong. I just look stupid. You think you'd look stupid because you fainted? Because you, cause you got lightheaded or got sick? Yeah. Hell, well, have you fainted before? No, but I feel like it. Well, but you haven't, right? How much do you love serving? Oh, I love it a lot. I wish I could. You can, you know. You can, as long as you wouldn't be afraid of anything happening. See, what's making you not want to serve is you're afraid something bad's going to happen. But it's not bad. It would just be, perhaps in your head, something terrible. But it's not terrible. Not terrible at all. Could you ask Father? Is if you feel lightheaded, you could just go sit down right there off to the side. And people would just think that you're just, at that at point, uh, a server that's there in case you're needed. Or you could kneel down, etc. Or you could make your co-server just do all the stuff with father and you're there just praying what level do you want to do all that and if she says i just don't want to do it i can't do it i don't want to do it i don't want to try any of that i don't want to do any of those things i'm too afraid anyway i'd paint while i was kneeling down i probably wouldn't push it i'd probably say okay honey but remember this you don't want fearfulness to keep you from doing things that you really want to do because your nervousness is caused by that day that you felt lightheaded and then after that the rest of it took place in your thinking your thinking is what made you not want to serve anymore your thinking said what if this happens what if I do this in front of all those people? Ask her this question. If it was just you and Father and there were no other people out there at all, you're just doing a private mass in the rectory, you and Father, would you be so nervous? Probably not. So it's the people, right? Yeah. Well, what do you think they're going to think? That you're a bad person? That you're a clumsy person? That you shouldn't be serving? That you messed up, Matt? What do you What do you think they're going to think? Oh no. I'll tell you what they're going to think. They're going to think that poor little girl got nervous up there. She had to go sit down. That's what they're going to think. So I guess what I would do is I'd walk her through all of what she's telling herself regarding what could happen and how terribly awful it is. And then I would compare that 
to how much she really, really wants to serve and how important it is to her so that maybe she could walk through it. And you know what else she can do? Try a daily Mass where there's 27 people there and it's not a Sunday Mass where there's 295. Do that. And as she builds up her confidence that really nothing's going to happen, you can ease her back into it. You say, okay, well, let's just uh, let's serve with Johnny because he knows everything that's gone on, and you can serve with him. And uh, if you feel yourself worrying a little bit, you go kneel down and pray, and the people will think, isn't that sweet? She's praying. Cool. Yeah, there's ways around this. I'm Dr. Ray. Look, I'm a doctor, not an escalator. Spock, give me a hand. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling. 35 years of experience, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right. Well, my wife used Seton, some of our children. And I will tell you this. Two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. 27% higher on English and reading. It is a rigorous program. At least now, 1.3 million students are homeschooled. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. seatonhome.org. She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France for almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. By asking for spiritual communion, we are acknowledging that the Holy Mass is the perfect best way to worship God. The priest intercedes perfectly for us with God the Father because he acts in persona Christi. This is the time to see that through the priest's representation of Christ's sacrifice on Calvary, we are never separated from our Lord. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you. I don't get emails anymore from C.S. Lewis. Um, no. Uh, there for a while, I was looking at some of his his writings um, from his various books, and I, you know, I kind of implied he was he was writing me, but but since he died decades ago, that probably isn't happening. Although, when I am at the end of an E-Person Monday and I don't have enough time to really give any decent attention, somebody might say, I don't have any time to give any decent attention at any point in the program. Uh, I like to take something that Lewis talks about and address it as best I might be able to. 
This is from Mere Christianity. <laughs> Lewis says, no man knows. Now, he uses the word man. See, this is long before you weren't allowed to do this. No man knows how bad he is until he has tried very hard to be good. People will ask me, how do you gauge whether somebody's being straight with you in therapy? Whether their perception of themselves or other people is squaring somewhat close to reality. There's a lot of ways to do that and usually unfolds over time as you see consistencies and inconsistencies. But one of the trigger phrases is when someone says, I'm tired of giving. I'm tired of being the good one. I'm going to be concerned about me for a change. Now, when somebody tells me that, there's a pretty good chance I'm not dealing with a very giving person. Because a giving person doesn't really recognize how giving they are. They certainly don't parade it. Same thing with I'm a good person. I'm a good person. When somebody says I'm a good person, at the very least, there's probably a chance they're not looking at themselves very closely. Because when you do, you see things, many things perhaps, that you could dramatically improve on. A priest once said to me, as I expressed to him my frustration and confession, said, uh, you know, why is it that the harder I try to live for Christ, the more things I see about me that I don't like? He drew a parallel to moving toward a bright light. He says, your goal is to get to the light. But as you get closer, the light is brighter and you see flaws you never knew were there. That's what Lewis is saying. He says, you, you're going to try hard to do well in your Christian walk, and you're going to see where you could do better. It's a very dangerous thing to be self-satisfied. It truly is. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying, therefore, you should wallow in self-directed misery at what a wretched snake you are. That's not the mindset of a Christian. The Christian takes peace in knowing he's infinitely valuable and infinitely loved in God's eyes. That's, that's what you hang everything upon. But in the realm of personal betterment, to the degree you recognize there's a lot of room for improvement, you will improve. To the degree that you recognize, I'm almost there. I'm a pretty good person, you know. The movement towards self-improvement slows if not comes to a stop. One of the most common comebacks people say in avoiding religion is, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, God, God sees me as a good person. And so basically they ignore God, they ignore church, they ignore any kind of self-assessment because they've already decided they're a good person by their own measurement, by their own subjective analysis, they've decided that they are a good person. But Lewis is making the point. You don't realize. Now, he calls it how bad you are. I, okay, you could use other words. You don't realize how much you can do better until you try very hard to do better. 
Thank you for joining me on The Doctor Is In. I appreciate the company. Andrew Kruchek, all you do over there in Ann Arbor. TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray. Now in its 11th season on EW10 Television Network, 11 p.m. Eastern. No, no, that's wrong. 10 p.m. Eastern. Know your own show, Raymond. Saturday nights, as well as repeats during the week. Join me. Love to have you. Tune in. Dr. A, walk with God. Try hard to walk with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Come shop at the Little Flower August Basilica Bazaar, Saturday, August 6th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Come find some great, unique buys from local vendors, from jewelry, home decor, crafts, art, and much more. Interested in being a vendor? Then call Hortensia at 210-372-6511. That's 210-372-6511. Do you need a will and keep putting it off? Do you need guidance on settling the estate of a loved one who's passed away? Gilson Law Firm is a faith-centered team of legal professionals who can help you navigate the probate process and put your final affairs in order. I'm attorney Sim Gilson. When we meet, we'll talk about Catholic health directives and charitable giving, about faith and family. To learn more about our team, visit tricountylawyer.com. You're invited to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the Salesian Sisters of St. John Bosco on Saturday, August 6th at St. John Bosco School. The Salesian Family Fun Fest will be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and will include mass, great food, games and entertainment, and a whole lot of fun. We hope you can make it to celebrate with the Salesian Sisters. For more information, visit SalesianSistersWest.org, St. John Bosco, and St. Mary Mozzarella. Pray for us. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Thanks for listening to KJMA 89.7 Floresville, San Antonio. On the Guadalupe Radio Network in South Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also streaming on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. The Cardinal did not expect a reply. However, he did receive a reply saying, Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. And those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation. But do not be afraid because Our Lady has already crushed his head. Clearly, we are in those times. You may be experiencing tribulation in your own home. Recognize from whom that is coming. It's not your spouse. Stop fighting each other and together fight the evil one who is trying to come between you. Remember, Our Lady has already crushed his head. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Instagram 